The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, is feeling a little porkish. Welcome, Jacob. Oink, oink, oink. Woof. Wait, hold on. Deedlet, what did you do now? <laughs> Deedlet, what did I tell you about uh, turning him into animals? Ugh, please don't <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah, oink. This is going to be an interesting episode, people. <laughs> Why, thank you, oink. To our co-host, a man who, hey, uh, he, he just, he's got to get those, he has to have the, like, those gold bits for some reason be like it's just the the lust of the money is consuming him welcome drew well you know in this horrible time we're in where inflation is on the rise we need all the money we can get that is true but then it turns in the mud and that's because it's not real unfortunately <laughs> anyway uh all right so let me introduce our special guest for tonight uh it's like, all I've got to ask, it's like, why did you decide of all times to just, to bring in this strange, this strange character with a goofy mask on? Huh? What about that, Cody? Welcome, Cody House. <laughs> I just felt like, why not wear a weird mask that has no facial expression? Oh my gosh, we're going to get you all eaten! <laughs> <laughs> Don't feed the plants. <laughs> Uh, how are you doing, Cody? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? I think we're doing good. How yeah, are you? I, I think I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Week's been pretty good. Uh, this is like there again. We have shifted times where we're scheduling. So it's the end of the week now. Be like the weekend's upon us. And I am like, woohoo, weekend. I imagine. And I have had a, I have had a busy week. But mm -hmm. I had all day today off, so I am, for the most part, well-rested, even though most of the week I was dead to the world. Uh-huh. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Jacob, I do believe, since we do have a guest, we have oh. an interrogation. Yes, we do. Uh, mm. Normally, normally, like we do on this podcast, the the uh, guest does not know that this, or if they haven't listened to our podcast recent, or in any recent time, that we have uh interrogation are questions for our guests so cody uh what was your favorite cartoon growing up oh man uh you know i'm a child of the early 90s late 80s um as are we all welcome to the party pal um <laughs> uh, it's probably teenage mutant ninja turtles and then when i got a little bit older it was batman the animated series nice good choices yeah very nice very nice an so, honorable mention to x-men as well which we're going to start reviewing in the tas uh, the animated series segment starting january yeah very foundational to my nerdum those two shows batman mm. and x-men and um if you haven't heard of the song before or haven't in a while, go on Spotify, YouTube, or whatever, and listen to uh, Whitney Houston's I'm Your Baby Tonight, and then you're going to be, like, so shocked how it sounds similar to the X-Men theme. 
Are you saying that Ron Wasserman may have plagiarized? Maybe a little bit. Maybe he was just really into Whitney Houston at that time. I don't know. Oh, that's that is a bunch. That is interesting trivia right there. All right. So uh, another question: If you were um, if you were stuck in the world of Studio Ghibli, what part of the universe would you want to go to, or not want to go to? Hmm. I think I'd want to live in the. Um near the Totoro place just to be visited by the whimsical Totoro and the cat bus. That would be great. I can see this. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Um, definitely don't want to go to the world of princess Mononoke where like, Gosh, the, no. <laughs> where the animals are being corrupted and yeah, that would be a little awkward. Yeah. It's the very true. To be honest, and Nausicaa is not a great place to go visit. <laughs> Got to wear a mask all the time there. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Sounds like a more, uh, more recent future of ours. Yeah, I think I <laughs> yeah, watched they- Nausicaa around because I did a whole Miyazaki filmography watch, and I watched most of those during the height of the pandemic. So yeah, Nausicaa was feeling very timely. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, let me think. Uh, What is the most recent animated movie you watched in theaters? Oh my god, in theaters. Mm -hmm. I think it's got to be Encanto, I think. was the last... Because I'm trying to think of what other... Because I did... Because Turning Red went straight to Disney+. Plus, and I didn't... Yeah. I know, right? On that. We have a lot of opinions. Come on, Disney. I, of the two Pixar movies that came out, I think they picked the wrong one that went straight to Disney+. Plus. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't go see Lightyear in theaters either. So, yeah, I think it's Encanto. Okay. You didn't really miss much. Uh, I I watched it. It's it's fine for what it is for a movie that didn't need to exist. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, I I think Lightyear had some merits. I thought some of the story was very good, but again, we all have different opinions. We will eventually review that episode. Yes, we will. We eventually get around to watching a Lightyear. We did do a reaction of it though. I probably would have disliked it more had I seen it in the theaters, but watching it at home on Disney Plus, I was like, oh, it's it's not bad. No, I that was one I was kind of before we went into it, I wanted to see it in theaters because space stuff always seems to play better on 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 a in a theater. Mm -hmm. But it just wasn't that, in my opinion, was Mm -hmm. not that good a story. Yeah, it's fine. I kind of liked a little bit of it, but I'm with you. It's not a great story. Mm. All right. So ever since you are a massive movie buff, Cody, uh, ever since I was, I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to be on your show. uh, The remind me of the, the, uh, the show's show, the show's name again, Uh, video store rejects. We do. uh, We do uh, basically uh, a deep dive into directors filmographies we also do like a sideshow usually for mm-hmm. certain themes and for the month of november we're doing fantasy 
We just nice. did Never Ending Story and Dragon Slayer, and next Ooh. week we're talking Labyrinth and the Princess Bride. Oh, interesting. interesting. I've seen three of those movies. <laughs> All right, so kind of, kind of going in that same realm of the, the movies you reviewed over on your podcast, what movie would you love for them to do in animated form, 3D or traditional? Mm-hmm. of the movies so a live action movie i've reviewed exactly that, that would make into a, a 3d or 2d traditional God. anime movie let me think that's there's been a lot um because <laughs> with all our sideshows too but i think i'll just focus on the directors we've covered because that'll be a little bit easier for me to mm-hmm. remember and think of who what would make a great animated film? And I think I'm going to go with James Cameron. And honestly, I think T2 would make a great, like, anime version. Yeah, of, I could. Yeah, I could in see animated that. form. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. That would be so cool. That would be, that would um, be amazing. Cool. Oh, my gosh. So, final question of your this torture or inquisition whatever we want to call this part of the show and no one expects it yeah <laughs> no one expects it oh what's what's your uh what is what is your all-time favorite anime of all time if that's series or movie okay uh i'm not an anime expert i i've mo- i've Nor seen most most of ghibli but like my anime knowledge is nowhere near what other people's are so series uh i'll probably sound basic with this but cowboy bebop i just love that show i yes. love the infusion of the music mm-hmm. and the energy mm-hmm. and i like that it's about a group of misfits becoming a family and then movie wise mm. Oh, that's hard because my go-tos want to say something Ghibli, but there's also so many other great animes that are not Ghibli. Indeed. Mm-hmm. <sighs> hmm. And uh, for I'm just gonna go with the Ghibli. Uh, Totoro, my neighbor Totoro. Oh, I love that awesome. movie. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. So I think we're we are done with this. With this segment, thank you, thank you, Cody. You survived. You didn't get turned into a cat or whatever. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> that would have that would have been well. I, w- I would say that would be awkward, but there was your the fa- the the case of your cousin who got turned into an Eevee in the middle of that episode. That is true. We've never Just really solved that issue either. What happened there? Yeah, it, it, it's it remains in the ether of mystery and enigma. Did they get caught? <laughs> well. Ooh. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He was out, he was out by the end of it. I know that. Yeah. But... Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? Not a whole lot, really. Now, like in between last Friday and today, today, today which is the, the, the next Friday, hardly anything. It's little, I've watched a lot of YouTube. I've uh, listened to a lot of podcasts, definitely true crime. I'm a huge fan of true crime, like most of our listeners know. And uh, yeah, not not a whole lot, really. I mean, I, I love watching the crap, the casual criminalist on YouTube by Simon Whistler. That's okay. an amazing show. 
there again, if you're a true grime junkie, yeah, that's your that's your jam. That's your butter and jam or peanut butter and jam, whatever. Jacob, if you have Hulu, I would recommend watching Only Murderers in the Building if you like true crime because it's kind of a comedy of that. Oh, okay. I got you. Steve Martin, Martin Short, hmm. Selena Gomez, you know, that good trio there. Good oh, tried yeah, yeah. and true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep hearing really good things about that. It's it's really good. It's fun, especially if you like Steve Martin and Martin Short. True. Classic comedians. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I've been. That is all I've been watching. So what have you been watching? Well, actually, I was going to throw it to our guest, Cody. There we go. What uh, watching, he is Cody? our guest. I can go oh. last. Okay. What have I been watching? Well, you know, we just wrapped up Halloween. So mostly spooky movies. Um I've been watching Guillermo del Toro's produced show. It's called Cabinet of Curiosities. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun, especially if you love H.P. Lovecraft, because there's a lot of, there's two Lovecraft stories they adapt, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of Lovecraftian elements in all the little short stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am going to, I watched, I started watching the interview with the vampire series, which I actually like. I know some people are not happy with the modern interpretations of it, but I'm liking it. I'm digging it. It happens. Okay. So I do want to make one sign. I did forget. I did watch one thing. I watched the original Hocus Pocus on Halloween. There you go. Oh, there you go. Did you watch the second one? I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I have. I'm planning on watching. I just got to, I got to get around to actually watching it. I have opinions about the second one, but we won't go into that right now. <laughs> That's interesting. You mentioned Hocus Pocus because there's a, in the dub of this, there's an actor who's in Hocus Pocus that voices a character in this. I didn't see that when I was doing my research, but I do not doubt you. Huh? I'd have to look, th- I'll look back up into that when we get uh, later. Uh, so what I've been watching, uh, outside of my normal things, such as, you know, Spy Family, mm-hmm, still of course. my favorite anime of all time at this point. <laughs> uh, were you about to say something, Cody? I was going to say, I've enjoyed what I've watched of that. It's pretty fun. It's, it just, it, it, it nah. <laughs> I hadn't done that in a while. Uh, <laughs> It just I, I just find it interesting how Anya is like the most believable four-year-old I've ever seen in television. Because <laughs> almost every other four-year-old I've ever seen on television, they don't see act like four-year-olds. And yes, technically she might be six. We don't really know. I think she was lying in that first episode, but either way. I, I personally I've seen probably like I think two I think or you four. saw four episodes. I've seen four episodes. Because you didn't that get was- to the castle. No, I did not get to the castle. But I have it. Wait, is that like uh, I don't want to give spoilers. Maybe I've seen that one. It's been a while. I know there's like a whole second season now, right? Oh yeah, I am actually in the. I'm caught up to current with the subtitled version. And there's uh, a certain dog named Bond. Yes, Bond is <laughs> best boy. That's great. He's not just. He's not just a good boy because a good boy would not have you know, saved Anya so many times that he did. (laughs) But anyway, uh, along with that, I finally went back and started working through one of my TV blind spots by trying to uh, uh, 
trying to go through Daredevil again. I got up to the stick this afternoon. Oh, yeah. I, it Normally, I don't like stuff this violent. It's just a little past the violent side of things. So you can imagine in the scene at the bowling alley it took me a couple days to get past. Um, and Fisk's uh, taking care of that guy with the car door. Uh, but, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Sorry, it's a, it's a, it's a very well-done show. Uh, I do need to get caught up on all of the old Netflix shows since they are all on Disney Plus now. Are you doing that because now they're part of the MCU, basically? Uh, I will admit I... I had been mean to go back through them before because I was always of the thought that somehow they had to still have been in the MCU uh, back before Endgame, or really back before WandaVision kind of screwed, uh, caused that, that confusion. Because that's they, really confused, even though that was more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than anything else. But Yeah, they briefly mentioned things about like characters, but that's about it because yeah. they didn't have... But I still want to know exactly what happened because I kind of like being able to. If they make a small reference, I can go, "Oh, I know what they're talking about." Oh well, it does happen from time to time. I mean, the Daredevil series is great. Uh, the first season of Jessica Jones is great. Uh, third season's pretty solid, and Luke Cage is good. You could skip uh, Iron Fist. Everybody or... says that. <laughs> And the thing but, is, I like Kung Fu stuff. I mean, I'm sure it's not anywhere near as good as Shang-Chi was, but... No, they finally did a better Kung Fu version. But I'm, uh, I will still give it a shot if for no other reason than he's in Defenders. And, you know, they're bringing Daredevil back. I mean, he's mm, popped up. He is getting another show, so... Yeah, yeah. And I'll admit, when you've not watched Hawkeye yet, have you? No, I have not. Never mind. I'm not going there. <laughs> There's a lot of those shows I have to I have to watch. You see, you've watched WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that's yeah. it, right? Uh, let me think. I've watched a little bit of little bit of this, a little bit of that. I've watched all of everything, so I am not completely immersed in the MCU TV <laughs> series. Jacob, what are you doing? You got to catch up on your homework if you want to watch the movies too. Okay, Jim. Not that. <laughs> Wanda, as much as it should have, not that WandaVision helped you figure out what was going on in uh, Doctor Strange at all, but sure. Uh, I think you'll be okay for Wakanda forever. They're yeah, introducing yeah. new characters, but I don't think they're going to reference too much of the TV oh, shows. They're bringing back the oldest concurrent superhero in the Marvel Universe, so... Yep. And mm -hmm. He was only half. I think he's still only half owned by Marvel. Is he really only half I owned? I, I think someone else still technically owns like the rights to him, and that's why they've had such a hard time getting him oh. into uh, make, ever making a movie with him until now. So I don't know what happened. Maybe it's the other part went into public domain or something. Mm. Okay. I don't know. I'm guessing. Hmm. I didn't know that. I knew it was a character from Timely. I and I could be wrong on that because I'm just remembering something from a book I read about the history of Marvel Comics, and I somewhat doubt some of the things that were said in that book. So, <laughs> um, I think there was a there was a little bit of misinformation in that in that particular book. So, but yeah, that's pretty much what I've been watching. Hmm. So, uh, Jacob, what do we got in the news? 
the Cellcast News with your host Jacob Heron. Thank you, Dealit. And Sally, what information I have gathered for the news is diddly squat. <laughs> I could not find a single thing newsworthy to talk about. Maybe I just missed everything. Maybe Google was just giving me bad information. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you two wonderful gentlemen know something about the news that I don't. To be honest, I don't. And I think we run into this problem every November. <laughs> Looks like it. <laughs> Well, are we talking uh, strictly animation news? Oh, animated right? movie news. Or any okay. animated yeah, news. Yeah, something like that. As Hartrew puts up Google. <laughs> Tales of the Jedi dropped last week on Disney Plus, and that's pretty good. That was good. I still need to watch that. that. Was, it's it's very it's like you could probably watch it in like what? An hour? Probably. Uh, two maybe two hours because I think they're roughly about twenty minutes each. They're pretty short. They're good though. They're very good. Basically, it's giving a bit more of a backstory for Ahsoka and then Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. Well, but uh, admittedly, what few little we had before that's not technically canon before Clone Wars, so mm-hmm. I can kind of see that. Oh, you know, isn't Disney dropping a movie this month? Strange World? Yeah, Strange World. Strange World. Yeah, yeah that's, that's coming it. out Thank in you. November. Strange World's coming out this month. I think it's... It's still coming out so much faster than I expected. Yeah, to. hold on. Thanksgiving weekend, I think. Thank yeah. you. Now, I'm feeling embarrassed as the guy on news. <laughs> yeah, Strange, Strange World is coming out this, this month. Uh, they've been They've been dropping interviews and trailers and posters heck the poster that where we where we live be like their theater has a poster and i am so be like can i like when you're done with it can i have that poster because that's a cool poster (laughs) but uh apparently me and my brother be like no but it's me because i like it because i'm adventuring that stuff it's like dude but i'm the animation guy it's like come on (laughs) yeah it's, it's, it's fun it looks like a throwback to like a 1950s style Oh yeah, oh, that, yeah. That's and that's what I love. I'm I'm so interested in this movie. Yeah, I mean, like it it lo- it looks like a fun film. Be like they've been dropping teasers, cast uh, cast interviews, reactions, the whole enchilada, mm-hmm. and it just looks like a fun film. So I'm thinking maybe maybe not. We haven't talked about this yet, but uh, like doing a reaction to it when it comes out, and we won't be able to do it week of, because I will at least be out of town, but yeah, that next weekend should work. We'll see. That's true. I think that week I'll be dog-sitting for somebody. Oh, that means you'll have plenty of time. That's true. There you go. For a two-hour movie, and then an hour of us yakking about it. True. So, uh, that's all we got in the news. Yeah. Then why don't we go ahead and jump into the spoiler-free section of our review for Spirited Away. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. Cody, since you're our guest, why don't you start us off on the spoiler-free review? Okay. You just want me to just start talking about the movie? As long as you don't spoil anything. 
Okay. Um, I, I, think of, I think of this as the Consumer Reports ver- uh, side of the review. Well, I mean, you might say this is overhyped or it's overrated, but this truly is one of the Studio Ghibli's library. Not only because it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Film that year, but Mm -hmm. really it encapsulates everything that not just makes a Miyazaki movie so great, but just what makes the style of animation so mesmerizing. It just enraptures you when you watch it from the moment it starts. It is... It is literally the animated version of The Wizard of Oz to me. It's in that same vein of storytelling. And not just because it's about a young girl that gets transformed into a magical land, but it's just a beautiful, wonderful movie. And, you know, it's also one of supposed Miyazaki's last films. How many times has he retired? I think we're up to five retirements. Because he and was going to retire, he's coming back again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he can't. He can't stay away. He can't stay away. But As I suspect he will die in the director's chair one day. Yeah, the cigarette in his hand, in one hand, and a pencil in the other. Yeah, like like so many other Corgadotters do. He's mm-hmm. like it, it's it's the the last sketch or the last direction they do, and that that's it. Well, who was it? And I think it was in the Jetsons review that they actually died in the recording booth. Yeah, Mel Blanc. Oh, wow. Mel Blanc. Yeah, Mel, Mel Blanc suffered was a massive heart attack in, in the studio. He was recording wow. for Mr. Spacely in that movie. And he, he I allegedly didn't know died. that. Yeah, he allegedly died in there. God, now, was, I, I think it was the uh, the guy who voiced uh, George Jetson yeah, was he, also having severe he, uh, issues. He died during production also, if I remember correctly. And they actually took the recording studio to his hospital room to finish his lines. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Dang. Can we just and, get a few more lines in before you, before, sir? <laughs> Dang. And the, the, the one about the movie that really got me was the, the, the original voice actor who played Judy. Yeah. Be like, She's in already... the movie, but they cut all her lines as Judy and gave it to some pop star because she had, that was go- supposed to just be her singing voice. Yeah. <laughs> Because okay. somehow, like her, like her and the director Foray. had some kind of relationship. I believe that was June Foray who did her the same voice of Rocky Squirrel from the you know Rocky of Bullwinkle. Yeah, and I think Betty mm-hmm. Boop. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I think I, I may have be confusing my people. Admittedly, well, Betty Boop, the original voice actress, her last performance oh, was, right. in, was in who, Roger Rabbit. Yeah, who from Roger Rabbit? That so was that's, her last. That's performance. not June Foray. Then never yeah. mind. Yeah, that was nineteen eighty-eight. Is when Roger Rabbit came out. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so yeah, that wasn't June Foray. I anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because the Jets came out in the nineties. 89 i think was 89 the, okay yeah that's right i think it was 89 for that one but anyway yeah so yeah this is my second viewing for spirited away and i will admit the first time i watched this i didn't get it <laughs> bear in mind uh i watched this probably back in like the early 2000s like probably not long after this was in won the academy award and i remember it being on to, airing on Toonami one night back when Toonami was not in the middle of the night it was actually like a prime time uh, 
on Cartoon Network on a Saturday, and they were showing they were doing a, a month of Miyazaki movies, and this just happened to be the first one I watched. And at that time, Dragon Ball Z was my definition of anime, and boy, is this not that. <laughs> so I was a little confused the first time, and I I remember admitting later on that yeah, it was good. I just did not understand it, and so it was not really until this viewing that I was able to actually get a better appreciation for this film. Mm. Um, it's still not my favorite Miyazaki or Ghibli film, but I, I enjoyed it. I think it's one you definitely should give a watch to. It's uh, it's, it's a good movie. It's got a great story, and uh, it's beautifully animated. So definitely I, I give up the suggestion to go watch this film. I would agree. Uh, this is my first time viewing this movie. Uh, Drew literally dropped it off my door the other day, and it's like <laughs> literally be like, we live in the oh, same apartment complex. We sometimes will share the physical version. That is true. That is true for the show. That is true. It, it makes it a little more convenient. But uh, I enjoyed the mess out of this film. Be like there again from the creativity, the storytelling, the uh, the imagination in which they go into. Definitely with a lot of the uh, like the the Japanese mythology and the whole bit with the story in a little bit, because I just, it's this girl wanders into this wonderland of a, of a, in a way that like, you don't know what's going to happen next and what's, you know, what next turn she's going to fall into, but it's such a well done movie that is, you know, it's, 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 I don't want to say it's just a treasure, but it's, it's one of those Miyazaki films that needs to be watched. Mm -hmm. if, if you are just a casual animation fan or if like you're an anime fan, you probably watched it. Or if you're a Miyazaki fan, you probably already watched it. But either or, go watch this film. It is amazing. All right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and play our uh, bumpers here so you know who, uh, where you can send us money uh, for our Patreon and stuff like that. And who else you should be listening to. But uh Join us on the other side of the bumpers, and we will get to spoiling this thing. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest the Retro Rewind podcast. Every other week, join the Retro Rewind Pod as they travel back 15 years or more along the entertainment space-time continuum in their mission to review movies and games, establishing what is still worth your time today and what isn't. Expect fun banter and trivial insights from Francisco, Paul, the Master Interrupter Powers, and a rotating cast of guest hosts, all of which are out of time. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Ruiz, Book of Gaming. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Spirited Away. Listener discretion is advised. Spirited Away, or as it's in, known in Japan, Sentu Chihiro no Kami Kakushi, which literally means Sen and Chihiro Spiriting Away, 
Hmm. Oh. By the way, before we get too far into this, if I mess up any Japanese pronunciations or pretty much anyone else's pronunciations, because there is a name on here I know I'm going to mess up, uh, uh, please forgive me. <laughs> uh, it, this movie was, of course, written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki, and it is not based on anything. Uh, getting into the cast, we've got Davi Chase, who plays Chihiro and Sen. And she was Lilo in Lilo and Stitch. Yes. Yeah, you can always tell when Disney did the English dubs of these movies mm -hmm. based on the actors, like, oh, especially yeah. mm -hmm. for the main protagonists. Like, oh, they were popular at that time. So, mm -hmm. like, you're That's like, who oh. was in their stable at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, it was funny listening to this. And I was like, wait, why does this girl's voice sound so familiar? And when they did, when I watched the special features, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Lilo. Yep. <laughs> I didn't they probably Lilo literally was. went from one recording studio to the other. Because right. this was around the same time, I think. Uh, yeah, they're right. both released in 2002. Uh huh. I'm, and they were both up for Best Animated Feature at the uh -huh. Academy Awards. So, so uh, Davy Chase was pretty much guaranteed something, <laughs> yeah, that year. Uh, Jason Marsden played uh, Haku, or the also known as the Spirit of the Kohaku River, or God of the Kohaku River in Japanese in, in the Japanese version. And I mentioned this; he is the voice because I looked it up. He is the voice of Zach. He's the voice of the cat in Hocus Pocus. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Because he was also Max Goof in a Goofy movie. Yeah. Yep. So he played a dog and a cat. <laughs> and there you river. go. And a river. <laughs> Slash dragon. Slash dragon. There we go. Yeah. Uh, he's he's covered, covered, covered almost all, all the animals. Pretty uh -huh. much. Uh, Suzanne Plachette played both Yubaba and Zenibaba. And if you've ever watched the old television show, The Bob Newhart Show, you will know her as Bob's wife, Emily Hartley. Mm -hmm. David Ogden Steers played Kamaji, who was in the boiler room. And uh, he was Jumba in Lilo and Stitch. Oh, that makes oh, sense. Yeah, I just see yeah. all the actors. Hey, come here. We need you for this movie, too. Oh, yeah. No, you're in the recording studio this week. Here, come record these other lines. <laughs> Paul Eating, who uh, played uh, Chichiaku, which was the kind of main manager of the bathhouse, oh. he was in the Transformers the movie as Perceptor. Oh, mm. I totally can hear that now. Like listening to that and then mm -hmm. what listening to the movie? Oh, yeah, it's definitely Perceptor. And speaking of people who were probably in the recording booth that week, John Ratzenberger was the voice of Aniyaku, the assistant. Well, he just, doesn't he just live at Pixar Studios? They just wake him up when he, they need. He did until Soul, until they got ready to do Soul. And that's the first one he has not appeared in. And he has not appeared in a Pixar movie since. Wow. So, yeah, sad. And I'm annoyed by this. No more staple. Because that yeah. be, that was like the game. It's like, who, which weird character of this is John Ratzenberger playing this time? And I still say Ratatouille is the one I took. It took me the longest to figure it out. But uh, he is, of course, Cliff in Cheers. Mm -hmm. Bob Bergen, who was the voice of No Face and Eogeru, the frog 
Oh, okay. He was the voice of Bucky the Squirrel in The Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, even even squirrels so he voice was, actors. So he was Alan Tudyk before Alan Tudyk. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Roger Bumpus played Bandai Geru, the foreman. But you might recognize his voice as squid, the belonging to Squidward Tentacles in SpongeBob SquarePants. Hmm. Oh, never watched SpongeBob, but okay. I will make sure you at least watch one of the movies. Oh, that'll, just, pro- that'll just, come just up. to torture you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's got a great cast. I know that. Yeah. Uh, Tara Strong played Bo, the babe, the uh, very large baby. Wait, hold on. Tara Strong did that voice? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Currently, she's probably most well-known for playing a certain purple princess pony in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Oh, okay. Quinn. Princess Twilight Sparkle. Uh, And yes, she is also Harley Quinn. So keep in your mind that the princess of friendship and Mr. J's right-hand girl are the same person. (laughs) That's the beauty of voice acting. That is true. (laughs) And she's like... 50, 50 other people you probably have heard before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Chiklis played Akio Ogino, mm-hmm. Chihiro's father, and he played Ben Grimm, the thing, in both Fantastic Four and Rise of the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Also, he was in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, he was yes. the lead in the S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great in Good that action. show. Uh, Lauren Hawley played Yuko Ogino, Chihiro's mother, and she played the character Mary in Dumb and Dumber. Also okay. on The Walking Dead for a couple of seasons and was married to Jim Carrey briefly. That makes a certain amount of sense. Okay. <laughs> Jim Ward played the river spirit and he was Commissioner Gordon in Batman Return of the Caped Crusaders. Oh gosh! Well, and that's the Adam West one, right? Adam, yes, that's the first Adam West one. Yeah, which we reviewed. So go back yeah. and listen to those. That th- those I those two movies are great, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then Jack Angel played the Radish Spirit, but he also played a character in the Transformers the movie, Astro Train. <laughs> Did the you... stupidest Transformer, in my opinion. Did you hey, mention Su- load. Susan Egan, who was also in Porco Rosso and is a legendary Broadway actress? I may have jumped over that for some odd reason, because I know I had her in here. Yes, I, for some reason I did. Susan Egan played Lynn, which was Chihiro's mentor, and she was Meg in Hercules. Mm-hmm. That's right! <laughs> Uh, Belle in the Broadway version of Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And apparently voices a character in the Steven universe. I've never watched that show, but I know it has a big I fan base. I either. Mm-hmm. I tried to get into that show, but it just didn't uh, jive with you? Jive with me. That's, clear. That's a good go. enough term. Getting into the Kingdom Hearts connections, Tara Strong, who was Bo in this movie, Mm-hmm is Final Fantasy X's Riku in Kingdom Hearts. Huh. Susan Egan, who was Lynn in this movie, is also, of course, uh, Megara in Kingdom Hearts. Mm. David Ogden Sears, I said his name wrong, 
who was Kamaji here, was Cogsworth and uh, Jumba and Doc in Kingdom Hearts. D. Bradley Baker, who played a character named Kashira in this, and I couldn't remember who that was, but he was Waka in Kingdom Hearts. Waka Waka. John Ratzenberger, who played Aniyaku here, is Ham in Kingdom Hearts. Uh-huh. And in the Japanese version of Kingdom Hearts, or in the Japanese version of this movie, Miyu Arino, who played the Japanese version of Haku. He is the Japanese version of Sora in Kingdom Hearts. Oh. So that's like the second time we've actually, because we, we did have one episode of Lower Decks where we that's right. brought that in. But anyway, that brings me to the end of our cast list. What do we got in info and stuff? All right. So info and stuff. IMDb, it has a 8.6 out of 10. It's available if you subscribe to HBO Max. Uh, obviously, we watched it on physical media, which be like for most movie fans is like physical media rules. But hey, if you like streaming, you like streaming. Sometimes it's more convenient. That is true. That is so true. Do I really want to pull out a disc and just you know play it on you know whatever platform? Uh, produced by Studio Ghibli, distributed originally in Japan through Toho. Did I say it right? Toho. Yeah, it's Toho. Toho. Mm-hmm. I always get those mixed up. The people who made Godzilla. Yes. Yeah. Roar. All right. Uh, so originally brought over from the United States by Disney. And then and they recently, are the ones who produce the dub. Yeah, most of the recent dub. And then uh, G Kids recently redid it. Or not redid it, but they re released it. They released it. Yeah. Yeah. They have the distribution rights now, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Pretty much. And, and they pretty I, much I, do an annual with, yeah. release in theaters, don't they? Yes, they do. But mm-hmm. unlike with Kiki's livery service, they did not take out their added lines in the G Kids version that was in the disney version kiki at least fixed it because it they really messed that up in kiki but anyway mm. yeah i was actually i was talking with a, a friend of mine uh so she was to be like oh i love this movie i love 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 spirit away and apparently it was in theaters this week but i didn't know about it i didn't see that either ah so going back to info and stuff uh, it was originally released on July 20th, 2001 in Japan. And then September 20th, 2022, or 2002, sorry, the year later in America. Our box office, uh, originally in Japan, uh, it grossed a record 1.6 billion yen, which translates to $13.1 million in its first three weeks. And its overall gross was 224 million in in uh, Japan. Now going to the United States, uh, it had original budget uh, when it was being produced of estimated 18, 19 million dollars. Its opening weekend for United States and Canada was 449,836 39 thousand dollars on september 22nd its gross was 13.7 million dollars and its worldwide gross was 355.7 million dollars uh for home release spirit away was first released on vhs and dvd format in japan by bonavista home entertainment on July 19, 2002, selling 1.5 million home unit uh, 
home video units in Japan by 2007. The home release on Blu-ray and Walt Disney Studio Japan was on July 17th, 2014, and the DVD was also reissued on the same day with a new high-definition master along with several other Studio Ghibli movies. In North America, the film was released on DVD and Blu-ray format by Walton Disney Home Entertainment on April 15, 2023. The movie was released on Blu-ray. 2003. That's okay. on... I I'll always we're do not that. to 2023 yet. <laughs> we're close. We're very close. <laughs> did you did you time travel and pick but up a new a new copy of it? Apparently, <laughs> it was a little wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, that actually that's probably next week. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, the film was uh, the film was released. On Blu-ray in and North America by Walt Disney Studio Home Release on June 16, 2015. G-Kids and Shop Factory reissued the film on Blu-ray and DVD on October 17, 2017. Following the expan- uh, uh, the exp- yeah. uh, Disney's prior deal with Studio Ghibli in North America. Uh, its release was handled through G-Kids exclusive North America distribution partner, Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. On November 12, 2019, G-Kids and Shout Factory issued the North American exclusive Spirit Away collection edition in the United States. On In 2015, the Blu-ray grossed over $9.9 million <clears throat> from... 557, 618,000 physical units sold as of February 21st, 2021. So, yeah, that's all I have for info and stuff. All right. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out, no pun intended, to Shout Factory. They're a great home video company. Mm -hmm. They mostly deal with um, horror films from like the 70s 80s and 90s but they do a collection of really great genre films and it's basically the criterion collection for cheesy horror films but it if you're a big john carpenter fan like me like they have pretty much his whole library too all right good to know getting into the summary of this film Ten-year-old uh, yeah, Chihiro Ojino and her parents are traveling to their new home when her fa- father decides to take a shortcut. A father's car stops in front of a tunnel leading to what appears to be an abandoned amusement park, which Chihiro's father insists on ex- exploring, despite his daughter's protest. They find a seemingly empty restaurant still stocked with food, which Chihiro's parents immediately begin to eat. While exploring further, Chihiro reaches an enormous bathhouse and meets a boy named Haku, who warns her to return across the riverbed before sunset. However, Chihiro discovers that her parents have been transformed into pigs, and she is unable to cross the now-flooded river. Haku finds Chihiro and instructs her to, to ask for a job from the bathhouse's boiler man, Kamaji, a yokai commanding the Susuwatari. I believe that's the uh, soot monster, uh, the, the soot sprites. Uh, Kamaji refuses to hire her and, uh, and asks worker Lin to send Chihiro to Yubaba, the witch who runs the bathhouse. 
Yubaba tries to frighten Jahira away, but she persists and is eventually given a working contract. Yubaba takes away the, the second kanji of her name, renaming her Sen. While visiting her parents' pigpen, Sen realizes that she has already forgotten her real name. Haku warns her that Yubaba controls people by taking their names, and that if she forgets hers like he has forgotten his, she will never be able to leave the spirit world. Sin, Sin faces discrimination from the other workers. Only Kamaji and Lin show sympathy for her. While working, she invites a silent creature named No-Face inside, believing him to be a customer. A sink spirit arrives as Sin's first customer, and she discovers that he is the spirit of a polluted river. In gratitude for cleaning him, he gives Sin a magic emetic dumpling. However, No-Face imitates the gold left behind by the river spirit and tempts a worker with it, then swallowing him. No-Face demands food from the bathhouse and begins giving away extensive amounts of gold to its workers. Sin sees Paper uh, Shigigami attacking a dragon and recognizes the dragon as Haku metamorphosed. When a grievously injured Haku crashes into Yubaba's penthouse, Sin follows him upstairs. A Shigigami that stowed away on her back shapeshifts into uh, Zinibaba, Yubaba's uh, twin sister. She turns Yubaba's son Bo into a mouse and creates a false copy of him. Zinibaba tells Sen and Haku has stolen a magic golden seal from her and warns Sen that it carries a deadly curse. Haku strikes the Shikigami, causing Zeniba to vanish. He falls into the boiler room with Sen, where she feeds him part of the emetic dumpling, causing him to vomit up the seal and a black slug, which Sen crushes with her foot. With Haku unconscious, Sen resolves to return the seal and apologize to Zinibaba. Uh, sorry, I keep saying Zinibaba. I think it's just Zeniba. But anyway, Sin confronts an engorged No-Face and feeds him the rest of the dumpling. No-Face follows Sin out of the bathhouse, steadily regurgitating everything that he has eaten. Sin, No-Face, and Bo travel to see Zeniba with train tickets given to her by Kamaji. Meanwhile, Yubaba orders that Sin's parents be slaughtered, but Haku reveals that Bo is missing and serves to retrieve him if Yubaba uh, releases Sin and her parents. Yubaba agrees, but only if Sin can pass the final test. Sin meets with Zeniba, who makes her a magic hairband and reveals that Yubaba used the black slug to take control over Haku. Haku appears at Zeniba's house in his dragon form and offers to fly them home. No-Face decides to stay behind with Zeniba and become her spinner, while Sin and Bo leave with Haku for the bathhouse. In mid-flight, Sin recalls falling years ago into the Kohaku River and being washed safely ashore, correctly guessing Haku's real identity as the spirit of the Kohaku River. When they arrive at the bathhouse, Yubaba forces Sen to identify her parents from among a group of pigs in order to leave. After she answers correctly that none of the pigs are her parents, her contract disappears and she is given back her real name. Haku takes her to the now dry riverbed and vows to meet her again. Shihiro crosses riverbed to her restored parents who do not remember anything after eating at the restaurant stall. They walk back through the tunnel after they reach their car, now covered in dust and leaves. Before getting in, Shihiro looks back at the tunnel, her hair tie, from Zeniba still intact. Getting into the trivia for this. Despite having a rich plot with developed characters, Spirited Away was not made with a script. In fact, uh -oh. Miyazaki's films never had scripts. He said, uh, he, uh, this is a quote from him, I don't have a story finished and ready when we start work on a film. I usually don't have the time, so the story develops uh, when I start drawing storyboards. The production starts very soon thereafter, while the storyboards are still developing. Uh, he's, Miyazaki says, uh, Miyazaki does not know where he the plot is going, and he lets it happen organically. He says, it's not me who makes the film. The film makes itself, and I have no choice but to follow. 
<laughs> which explains mm-hmm. how stuff like oh for instance i recently read the the book kiki's delivery service and mm-hmm. the ending is a lot different from the movie it starts the same but it ends a lot differently which explains that <laughs> That just explains the nature of his storytelling, too, that he mm-hmm. lets his his artwork kind of feed the narrative because mm-hmm. most of his films kind of feel like they're just flowing, like you're just following it. Like, they're very, for the most part, Miyazaki's films are, even though there's, like, a lot going on, it's usually like, oh, I can chill and just watch this and just oh, yeah. be in the moment. Also might be why there's so many scenes of people eating food. I think so. Mm-hmm. And a lot of atmospheric scenes of just existing in this moment for a couple minutes before we get back to the plot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the cleansing of the river spirit is based on a real-life incident in Hayao Miyazaki's life in which he participated in the cleaning of a river, removing, among other things, a bicycle. Huh. Mm-hmm. Although Hayao Miyazaki has considered retiring after completing Princess Mononoke, he was inspired to make this film after seeing a friend's sullen 10-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. To do the voice of Chihiro's mother talking while eating, actress Yasuko Sawaguchi actually spoke the dialogue while eating a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> you know, that not only is that funny, but to me, Miyazaki kind of looks a little bit like Colonel Sanders to me. Yeah, <laughs> you're not kidding. Wow. Uh, actress Lauren Hawley, who was the Eng- did the English version of that character, did the same thing, but with an apple. Yeah. Instead of chicken. Uh, nom, 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 nom. In the scene which Chihiro squashes the small worm-like thing that inhabited Haku with uh, her foot that uh, Kamaji tells Shihiro to cut the line. Cutting the line is a Japanese good luck charm performed by making a chopping gesture through another person's connected index fingers. This is done whenever someone is affected by some impurity. During footage of the dubbing process in uh, in the Spirited Away Nippon TV special, Rumi Hiragi, who was the Japanese actress for uh, Shihiro, was not aware of this concept and had it explained to her by Hayao Miyazaki. One of the sound engineers commented, the young don't know it these days. There are several instances in the English dubbed version where dialogue was added in that was not present in the original Japanese release. According to uh, John Lasseter, who who directed the uh, English dub, he explained that it was ne- a necessary addition to help clarify certain elements for American audiences. For example, what is clearly a bathhouse to a Japanese viewer might not be apparent to an American viewer, so the translation issue was fixed by having the character say, oh, it's a bathhouse. I have some op- opinions about this later on, by the way. Okay. <laughs> this is a little teaser for later. This was the first anime film to be nominated for and win an Academy Award. It also has the longest runtime of any other film nominated for for that award and winning in that category at 125 minutes. The characters in Spirited Away reflect who uh, their names reflect who they are. Bo means a little boy or son. Kamaji means old boiler man. Yubaba means uh, bathhouse crone. Zaniba means money crone. 
the heroine Chihiro means a thousand fathoms or searches, while her worker name Sen just means thousand. Hmm. The theme of not looking back is an homage to the Shinto myth of Izanagi and Izanami escaping from the underground world of death, Yomino Kuni, which is very similar to the Greek myth of Orpheus and uh, Eurydice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I was also reminded of uh, Lot's wife. Yeah. Uh, that, the Old that came yeah. to my mm -hmm. mind also. Well, it's a little bit different because that yeah. was... Anyway. Many of the characters in the animation are based on Shinto myth and have Shinto gods' names. For example, Haku's true name, Nigi Hayami Kohaku Kunushi, and I definitely said that wrong, is taken from an actual god's name, Nigi Hayahi, uh, and No Face is an original character created by Hayao Miyazaki that previously didn't exist in Japanese mythology. Hmm. Now it does. And now it's at Hot Topics and tattoos everywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the English language version, John Ratzenberger, who played Aniyaku, completely improvised the ditty he sings when he is extolling the virtues of the rich customer No Face. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yes. That was hilarious. The original script song was something along the line of, Welcome the rich man, he's pretty big. You see, so all bow down and get on the on bended knee. Whereas John Ratzenberger's was more, Welcome the rich man, he's hard for you to miss. <laughs> he's got all the gold, bow down to him. The dragon haku's movements were based on the twisting motions of an eel swimming. Hmm. For the I scenes, can see that. for the scenes when he is being a, uh, attacked, Miyazaki brought up the example of a live eel in a fish market beat before gutting. Oh. When he found none of his animators had ever witnessed this before, Miyazaki sarcastically commented, "Japanese culture is doomed." <laughs> And that He's brings such a end of the trivia. Uh, Cody, since you are our guest, what is your first like for this film? I think I said it in the non-spoiler, but I just love how it just enraptures you in the world and how much world building there is without having to explain everything. It's just there as you watch it. It's just a mm -hmm. feast of the imagination. And... It's really the top of its game. Like, it's not my personal favorite Miyazaki or Ghibli movie, but you can't deny the craftsmanship in this movie. Mm -hmm. Jacob? My first like will be the opening. The opening of this movie is so well done. It's like one yeah, but like artistic masterpiece. Just like, be like, can we just freeze frame put this in you know digital high definition and put it on some really really good stock paper and be like put it on a wall amazing but this movie takes and be like it there's there's no in-betweeners no nothing when it comes to like getting into the heart of the story and be like it just shoots it shoots for the heart it shoots for the gut and it's not like oh we're gonna spend like you know 10 minutes like set up mm -hmm. it's like nope characters come in go into the world everything goes crazy and it's just an amazing opening to this film and it's so i'll be like i know other films have done this but how studio ghibli hayo miyazaki yeah 
Hayao Miyazaki. Yes, I said it right. Um, with this with this opening, there it's just be like it's you go straight into the story. It gives you a little setup and just boom, floors it right into the story, mm-hmm. and it doesn't stop. And that's what I love about it. like this. The movie's opening is so well done, animation wise, story wise. They they don't try to you know fill in little gaps here and there with little bits of story, but it's just like they give you introduction to the character, introduction to what they're doing, and just goes into the story. And it's so well done. That's my number one is the opening. I love how this movie opens. My first like is going to be the use of the of both the 2D and the 3D animation, how they mix. Okay. Uh, the first shot that comes to my mind, though, is that is like you said at the very beginning when they're speeding down that old uh, dirt road, uh-huh. and she looks out the window and sees that statue, mm-hmm. and you could tell that that had to have been a three. I, I saw, it looked like it was a three D shot to me, but how it rotated around there, mm-hmm. I thought that was breathtaking. Uh, there's a couple other spots where I thought it did a very good job. The only one where it didn't work so well is when they're running through the, uh, I guess the flower bushes on their way to the pig pen. Mm. It, mm-hmm. it and, they, and they copied and they did that twice. Mm-hmm. And both times that it looked, I, I don't think, I don't know if they just didn't finish with it or if it just needed some more polish or something, but that was probably the weaker one of those. Okay. But so many other uh, things like um, the stink spirit and all of its oh, goo, yeah. goo and tent- tentacles and such. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the use of the uh you know so much of that the 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 3d animation melded so well in the 2d it's almost hard to see it sometimes Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i enjoyed the 2d the mixture of 2d and 3d animation in this film uh cody what's your second like uh you know watching all these movies about a year and a half ago and i'm just a sucker for a story that takes what it somebody goes to like a the country or a farmhouse and mm-hmm. like just that kind of story so i love that that's a staple and just the mixing and the metaphors here like miyazaki continues with like talking about how technology and the new world is kind of killing our way of life and especially mm-hmm. the old world but even though he's mixing like this mythological world but when you find out that haku was a river and he's like i can't go back home and she's like they built an apartment complex where Mm. the river used to be like he's he's clearly making statements about like the ramifications of like industrialization in our modern Mm -hmm. world killing like these older ways of thinking and not just with like fantasy and reality and like the old world's dying with the new world. And he's very, this is very much what he talks about and the environment. And it's just really potent here. And it just, and even them taking like the, 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 where they cross is like an abandoned amusement park, right? That's the kind of realm where you cross into one world to the other. I think that's deliberate. That, that that it's an abandoned amusement park because an amusement park is a place where you go to escape reality and have fun. And mm-hmm. I just really love that this is consistent throughout his career and his films. And it, 
it is one of the highest. It's not as pessimistic of a film as, say, Mononoke or Nausicaa, and not as... Um, it's like a good mixture between that meeting Totoro or Ponyo, like those themes and those movies. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I think this is Miyazaki at the top of his game. He said I was gonna retire, but uh hold my sake. I got I got something even better. <laughs> yeah, I would I would completely agree with you that oh my gosh, yes. The 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 point where Miyazaki, like you say, like the parallels, like he's he's talking about uh, modernization is killing tradition. Mm-hmm. The the thing that I always think of, and the movie is escaping me. I'm I'm losing nerd points for not remembering a animated movie title. It's a it's a it's a Ghibli film we've reviewed already, but it's about the uh, I want to say not raccoons. Pompoco. Pompoco. Yes, Pompoco. So like that, that was the word you were looking huh? for. Tanuki was the Tanuki, word you were looking yeah. for. Tanuki, Mario. That's, that's what I think. Uh, is his name uh, Asio Takata? Is that his name? Aisao yeah, Takahata, I believe. Yeah, the second most prominent filmmaker yeah. in Ghibli's library. Yeah, that's similar to, I think, that, that film. That actually, been... took, yeah, that actually took place in a real neighborhood in Tokyo, because I had I looked that up on a map because I was curious if it was a fictionalized area or not, and yeah, it does not look like the forest you see at the beginning of that film. Yeah, anymore. Yeah, there, there's there's so many parallels. Like you watch most of his films, there's kind of an environmental um, um, industrialization of the mm-hmm. world, and it's like slowly taking away what uh, traditional historical places and putting in more modern. And like, uh, like I think in the trivia we're talking about how it was more like how the the younger generation doesn't know about the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for for a history guy like me, I absolutely be like, yes, talk about history, talk about mm-hmm. the good, definitely talk about the bad, because if you don't remember the bad, and the bad comes up again, you won't know about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we keep repeating the same mistakes. That's in- true. In, in our lot in the world right because we don't want to we want to sweep that stuff under the rug right Agreed, not talk right. about Agreed. it instead of being like hey this was bad we shouldn't have done it let's learn from our mistakes is that like oh no no that didn't happen um uh, oh, yeah. what you're talking about right yeah because we're so like yeah we, we don't we, we don't we don't want to do this we don't want to do that but then at the same time we're basically setting ourselves up the next generation to to fall into that same trap Mm -hmm. and there's numerous examples of that so yeah it's it's always good to talk about the past good and bad and learn from that and miyazaki does that very well Mm -hmm. so my second dislike kind of dovetails into that a little bit Mm. uh i really enjoyed Chihiro's growth over mm. the course of this movie. Agreed. Because she, yes. when, when the movie starts, she is a spoiled brat, mm-hmm. to put it as nicely as I can. Uh, but she has to learn over the course of the film that you know these there are people who she does have to show respect for. There are ways of doing things that will actually get stuff done instead of trying to just bullhead your way through everything. Uh, and by the end, she's pr- she's. I, 
the way her growth throughout this and learning about the world that she's gotten sucked into and able to successfully even leave at the end of it. Uh, I, I appreciated seeing that in this film and yeah, uh, I really enjoyed her character growth in this because it could be very easy for her not to have any character. That's true. Yeah. And I would, uh, you know, the two American, well, the, One's not actually American, it's British, but it's been made into American films. But the two kind of fantasy stories this kind of is similar to for Western audiences, The Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And I I would say the protagonist's growth here is much stronger for yeah. in this film than it would be for Dorothy or Alice. I agree. And, like you see a full character growth. We don't know how long she's been there, but like it's long enough that she like learns and grows as a human being. I mm-hmm. am picturing it at about a week. Okay, because... well, that's a lot of growth in a week. It's a lot of growth mm-hmm. in a week. And the only reason I am saying that is yeah, there was a lot of grass that grew up outside of the amusement park when they left, but I'm thinking it was had to have taken. There's not enough events for it to not be any more any more than a week. I don't mm. think. Well, hopefully those movers had a key to the house, or they just left all yeah. the stuff in the yard. <laughs> they, they said they had a key to the house. My question is: Is there anyone who's tried to call on them in the past week and doesn't know where they are? <laughs> so obviously, no one's gone up that dirt road in, in the last little bit. <laughs> Also, yeah, they said they built everything in the 90s, and this is, what, 2001, 2002? Yeah, 2001. <laughs> well, I think so. there was an epi- economic boom in, like, the early 90s, so mm-hmm. that would make sense when, in Japan, I mean. So that would make okay. sense that that would be when they might have built a bunch of amusement parks. Of course, the one I'm thinking of is, I think it was called Dreamland, Oh, that was originally started as a Disney theme park before Disney pulled out and made Tokyo Disneyland, mm. whatever the name of the Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo. One is. Di- yeah, but they the guy who was running it still continued on, and gotcha. that's, that's now an abandoned theme park, and so that's the thing that crosses my mind with that. But anyway, okay. I was just thinking that's a big turnaround, like barely a decade, if less than mm-hmm. a decade. Yeah. I don't know. That decade seemed pretty long to me at the time. <laughs> Agreed. As as a kid, oh my gosh, the nineties took forever. And then you get now in your like late forties or late or late thirties, going into your third forties. Like man, the 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 two the two thousand tens and the two thousand twenties are just. They feel like they were yesterday. Yeah, they feel like they're yesterday. Yep. Well, when you're a kid, the the nineties summers took forever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wish we could go back to that, but you know that's not the way the not the way the world works, unfortunately. Yes. Anyway, no. well, we got dislikes as much as we like this film to talk mm-hmm. about. So, Cody, what was your first dislike? Oh my god, I, <laughs> I I really don't know if I have a dislike. Uh, maybe you guys tell me some of yours to see if it <laughs> generates something for me because I've been racking my head all day since I watched it this morning. I was like, what is in this that I don't like? I mean, maybe <laughs> that she's kind of bratty at the beginning, but I think that's the reason of the story, right? Mm. Yeah. Is for her. I mean, that's about well, it. But 
but I mean, also, if she wasn't bratty at the beginning, she would have had no growth. So that is exactly. And also, you know, put your place in her shoes. You know, you're 10 years old. Your parents are when you move at a young age, your whole world is turned upside down. You think the world is over, right? And they're they're moving her to the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And like all her friends, everything she knows. So you kind of see why she's bratty. And I mean, it's not as bad as some other movies with kids being bratty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess if I had to find something, that's a little annoying. But like you said, it, there would be no growth if you didn't start there. Because mm-hmm. what would be the point of the story? Yeah. The the only one I can think of would be the I don't know I'd be like it's good storytelling or either a I'm be like first time watching this film be like there was a maybe a little misconfu like a little confusion here and there but there again great story the only problem was I kept it was like okay who do you like who is she supposed to trust in this movie the 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 guy who came and saved her the the guy she's kind of fallen in love with in a way because Miyazaki doesn't really do the love story kind of thing but which I appreciate that about him even when he does a love story it's more of growing up together instead of more lovey-dovey yeah exactly there's hardly any romantic like love in Mm -hmm. his stories and a lot of times it's because they're kids, so we're not going to go there. And True, other times right. it's like that's not the character's growth as a and where the story's going. True. Mm-hmm. True. I think it's what I, there again, that's what I enjoy about Miyazaki films because it, it does take a different route because we're talking about children and not talking about teenagers or adults. Right. But uh, I think it was more maybe the confusion be like, who does Sin really be like, who does she really trust? In this movie, does she trust the the boy who you know came to her rescue and she has a connection with somehow? And there's like all these, like you, you feel like sin in our sin in this movie. It's like who do I trust in this film? But she's like openly like trust everybody kind mm-hmm. of story. But there, I know that's not really a dislike, but it was more like maybe some slight confusion going go like going into this film. I'm like who who as the audience member who do I trust? But they well, automatically. I- well, to comment on on what you're saying, yes, this film does not really have a villain character. No, it's there isn't. The clo- we've got some different characters act as antagonists from yes. time to time, and Yababa is probably the closest thing I would say call mm-hmm. a main antagonist. Agreed. Agreed. But yes. even she, from time to time, is just like she. You, you get you. Uh, she feels like an ally as much as anybody else. Does Agreed. Agreed. Throughout this film, even the Zaniba has the same. Mm-hmm. Does the same thing. There's mm-hmm. re- th- th- what the reason there is confusion is because the situation is the problem, Agreed. not any one character. I right. There, which, I would agree with you there. Which is odd for an, an animated. Film. Yeah, you're 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 literally thrown into a fantasy world where you have no basis of anything, mm-hmm. and so you have you have no you have no basis to trust anybody but sin does he does want to trust everybody and they want him just falling for her as a character and just follow yeah. her to the ends of the earth yeah i think you're placed in her shoes so she's you confused are. and mm-hmm. bombarded and not sure where to go and mm-hmm. like well 
this person told me to trust this person and this person exactly. told me to go to that person and mm -hmm. and most of them turn out to help her like the boiler room guy tells her to go visit the sister and like what is the lady's name that helps her or lynn? becomes like lynn yeah yeah lynn like or all these lynn in the japanese version but okay but yeah most of the characters do end up wanting to help her because mm -hmm. Either they like end up falling liking her, or they feel sorry for her, or mm -hmm. yeah. But I get what you're saying because you're like, well, who who's who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? But really, there isn't any who's That's good, true. who's bad. They all have their intentions and their needs and what they want out of what they're trying to do. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, I think that was the only real like jumping into the movie because how the story is played out and how you are immersed in the world. It's like, you're automatically in sin's shoes and you're like, I don't know who to trust in this movie. So by the end of it, you wind up trusting everybody or everybody winds up trusting you right? <laughs> because you wind up being the person who is the key to everything. So yeah, that's, I know it's not really much of a, it's a like, it's it's kind of a fusion of the two. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with it. It's a backhanded dislike. It's a yeah maybe yeah it's a, <laughs> not okay. Anyway, anyways, uh, my first dislike for this kind of jumping off yours. See, the thing is that confusion you talked about. Mm -hmm. I think it helps the story. I agree. It so does. the fact that when Disney did the dub for this, they added lines that to help american audiences understand some of the things that they were seeing that a, the japanese audience would probably know just by looking at it i hate this concept because i don't really think there's anything here that you can't pick up on fast enough just by context mm. i agree I mean, uh, especially maybe like the closest thing because we don't have those bathhouses here in america like they would in japan mm -hmm. But I'd like to point out that one of the yeah. But what you sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, you're fine. I just I was just want to point out that at least Pokemon in one of their games when they had a time when you went to a bathhouse, they didn't bother to have to tell you what it was. You kind of knew. <laughs> right. I think so... even if you've never seen it, you'd be like, "Oh, okay, this is a place people go to take a bath." Yeah. Mm. It's it's admittedly from. An American perspective, this is kind of a weird thing, but you know, I can kind of see it when you are, you know, kind of sort of thrown back in time to this other thing. I can see how this might have developed in a culture. So the fact that you have to explain that mm -hmm. it's a bathhouse and we can't tell just by looking, I mean, admittedly, from the outside, you don't need to know it's a bathhouse. You just need to know, hey, here's a structure that has smoke coming out of it. Mm -hmm. That means there's civilization here. Of course, she's going to be interested in it because mm -hmm. she's trying to figure out what's going on. Right, and she don't. She doesn't need to know it's a bathhouse until she has to go clean the tubs. To be honest, mm -hmm. so we don't need to know it's a bathhouse to that point. So, the fact that, and I, I will fully blame this on Disney at the time, not having enough faith in an American audience to be able to figure out con from context. Uh, those things, I think they could have, uh, 
I, I don't think they could have had to explain it to us like we were stupid, basically. Mm. And there's, a couple, jump off and there's your... a couple of times the Disney dub does this. Yeah. I think that's the other beautiful thing about Miyazaki. I'm jumping off of your um, complaint of the, the dub of this movie is Miyazaki makes films that are for families, mm -hmm. but he does not dumb down the material to make children enjoy it. Right. He tells the story and for children to enjoy on one level, and it's good for adults to enjoy on another level. And he also doesn't put in crude humor for adults to be like, oh, they put that in there where kids won't get it. Ha ha ha. Like, no, he just tells quality mm -hmm. storytelling and doesn't hold people's hands like here let me tell you this story like no this is a story and he he recognizes children aren't stupid yeah. which sometimes american filmmakers mm -hmm. or studios mm -hmm. think they are most irritating part of most american films now i will say this even though i hate the script the, the additions of those things in the script i think the recording of those lines was done pretty well and to a point where I did not, it did not stand out to me that those lines were added in after the fact. Mm -hmm. But when you go back, and admittedly, I have yet to go back and watch the Japanese uh, version of the film yet. But the fact that they even thought that you have to make these changes, otherwise the Americans won't understand what's going on, is kind of what annoys me. Especially at a time when we're watching, when on TV you have things like Dragon Ball Z which just shows random Japanese stuff and doesn't bother to explain any of it. Yeah, I, I agree, though I do think Disney does a phenomenal job yeah. overall with these dubs, especially because before the dubs were atrocious. I've never yes. seen them, but I've heard about some of the earlier Ghibli films that were dubbed that were just, like, terrible. Some of them, some of them were more... Americanized than others, yes. Mm -hmm. Or really like I, British eyes because it was a British I, company that did them. I still saw a scene from Porco Rosso that was just horrible. Oh, if if you ever want fun, go look up the Harmony Gold dub of Dragon Ball Z. That mm. is horrible, horrifically bad, and yet funny at the same time. I think of what when I think like terrible. It's like, oh, let's Mer Americanize this for an American audience because Americans won't get Japanese culture. Please tell me you're about to talk about Brock's Jelly Donuts. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I never watched Pokemon growing up because I was a Digimon fan, but I have heard of this. Oh, look at this Jelly Donut. I'm like, it's literally a, a rice ball. ball. <laughs> they didn't even edit the video. It's just like, oh, yes, we've got these Jelly Donuts. It's like, even as a kid, I know that's not a Jelly Donut. That's a rice ball. Because oh. American kids have never seen rice. Apparently, <laughs> granted, I would have looked at it and gone, "That's a weird-looking dish. I wonder what that is." Oh well, it doesn't matter. We're about to have a Pokemon fight. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Where were we? Your dislike. I, think I just finished my second yes. dislike of the Disney dub. <laughs> Uh, Cody, what did you think of anything for your second dislike? No, I honestly, I don't. I'm sorry, I can't. Like, no, 
this is this movie's magical mm-hmm. i can't think of anything to hate on okay the oh my gosh yeah i'm kind of the same boat with you cody it's just like there's be like there is nothing else in this film that i can i, I would literally have to go back and rewatch the film and be hypercritical of every single scene every frame you find something to critique about it but from this fir- from this first viewing it's a solid film i mean well, the baby's kind of creepy but i think well, that's, that's well, supposed to be just, the point are you looking at my show notes i don't know how i could do that i mean I'm a, I, just, I mean i guess i have mind powers you know i'm bald i guess i have those mind powers it's xavier <laughs> no i do have one other dislike and one nitpick that I can talk about. Oh, okay. It's helpful. Uh, but yeah, my second one is that the character of Bo, the baby, is completely unnecessary for this film. It doesn't change anything about the plot if you were to remove his scenes, other than it doesn't give, uh, it doesn't sweeten up Yubaba's position any if he's not there. Mm. Mm-hmm. She just seems like an old, well, an old, an old, angry woman if you don't have her at least they're loving on her child yeah but for the most part if you were to take him out of this film about the only thing it would change is you'd have to come up with some other reason for her not to go ahead and slaughter chihiro's parents uh mm-hmm. before chihiro got back yeah so i i'm kind of annoyed that his character is for the most part useless okay I guess you're right, but I think maybe Miyazaki who just like had a vision of a giant baby and was like, oh, we got to put that in the movie. How do we put this giant baby in the yeah. movie? And, and, I get, and I get that. I just wish it had been more, it worked more into the film. I get you. Like it was more part of the plot instead yeah. of yeah. just a, just the device to have to get. Yeah. For her to hold off on killing her parents. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the next step is. The next step rating the movie, or we got more well, to. I'm, I am going to mention my one little nitpick. Just Go for because it because we have time. <laughs> uh, so nitpick away. Yeah, my nitpick. Why did her, her work clothes, her uniform there, not include sandals? Oh yeah, that's right. Because it doesn't. When she, she goes has to go back and get her shoes and socks that the Sith sprites yeah, head for. You're right. When she goes to meet him at the bridge, yeah, she's yeah, barefoot. Yeah. But everybody else is wearing sandals, right? That's true. Good yeah. So why did hers not include sandals? Because I guess there's she's plenty the of times where there's plenty of times. I guess maybe they didn't have to, sandals, or they don't. Or like, oh, I mean, stinky okay. human, you don't get shoes. <laughs> I, I get it that in this in Japanese biases. culture, uh, you don't wear shoes past like the entryway of a house, mm-hmm, and that true. even in their schools, they have like special slippers that they wear in the school. Or at least mm-hmm. that's what it looks like on anime. Uh, I'll admit that's where my knowledge comes from. <laughs> But I would think even in that situation, there are times where as essentially the lowest of the lowest worker in that bathhouse, she would have to do stuff that was outside on the ground. So she should need shoes from time to time, Mm -hmm. even if for the most part, she is stuck in the bathhouse itself. I just realized she's good. She's a lower decker. Oh, my gosh. She's (laughs) a lower decker. She is a lower decks. But but she is literally lower decker. Right. But anyway, that's like I said, that's a nitpick. It really doesn't change anything. It's just a weird observation mm. I made. 
So, yeah. Next, we do have our ratings. So, Cody, what would you rate this movie? So it's a one out of ten, right? A zero point five out of ten. I would say zero point zero, as we have rated something that low, but I doubt we don't be anywhere near it. (laughs) So I want to read an excerpt of a review, just the opening paragraph. It's not long. And it was shared on a podcast called Blank Check, which does directors, and they did all the work of Miyazaki. This is a review written by a film critic called Nigel Andrews back in 2002 or 2003. And he said, yes, that's right. Six stars. Exception must be made for the exceptional. Spirit Away is a feast of wonderment, a movie classic, and a joy that will enrich your existence until you are spirited away. He gave it six out of five stars. So I don't know if I'm going to quite go to the same round and say 11, but I will say this is definitely a 10. I think this is a masterpiece. All right. I am definitely going to give this a 9.5. It is just a brilliant film. Wonderfully well done. Uh, normally I don't really give tens to like a bunch of films be like i've given a 10 to one film which i probably in retrospect i probably ranked it a little bit lower but it was still great but this is definitely one of those you know high echelon kind of films Mm -hmm. that everybody needs to go watch like you know be like if you're a movie buff go watch it if you're an animation fan go watch it great film nine point nine point five be like it is skimming that ten that ten point that ten point score but it is just phenomenal phenomenal storytelling phenomenal character design animation is just like whoa incredible but there again this is Hayao Miyazaki uh Hayao Miyazaki let me say that right and uh Studio Ghibli at its best mm-hmm. you know that's why they mm-hmm. won an award for this movie so yeah nine point five I'm also going to give it a 9.5. The reason I am not rating it a 10 is because, honestly, I have no idea where I've rated any of the other Miyazaki films, and I don't want to risk rating it higher than those I really consider more my favorites because as much as I like this film, it is not one of my favorites. Um, But it's still a very good movie. It's very high up there. It's a definite watch. Uh, yeah, 9.5. Do you think it deserved the win for Best Animated Film? Considering we do know at least it was going up against Lilo and Stitch, I would love to know Jacob's answer for this. <laughs> wow. That, that, that is pretty good. Uh, if you can't tell, Jacob really likes Lilo and Stitch. No, I couldn't tell at all. I thought that was just... <laughs> Some weird plush she had over there. Oh my gosh. I, I have so much stitch merchandise. It's not even funny. <laughs> but uh oh my gosh. That that is like after watching this film and having the, the love and fondness I have for Lilo and Stitch. Oh my gosh, that that's that is be like you're putting me in a spot, man. This is too tight. I know. I know. That's why I'm making you choose between your favorite children. If if you, (laughs) yours is going to be the more interesting answer, if we're being honest. Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, On the spot. Now I feel like a guest. (laughs) Now I know what it feels like. Oh my gosh. Uh, Oh my gosh. Um, 
I, I would be like, personally, I would go with Lilo and Stitch because I love that story. I'd be like, it's be like, it's it's not saying that this movie is like less than anyways, but to me, Lilo and Stitch is a better film. But that's just okay. Me. I'm well, do you want to? I'm gonna give it to, to Spirited Away. Okay, fair because. Lilo and Stitch's edits that were made to it after most of the film was done because yep. of September 11th right. and a couple other questionable original decisions like the washing machine. Uh, they, those edits kind of lowered the quality of that film just enough that this film really, I think, would deserve an Academy ah. Award over it. So here's what it was up against. Ice Age, Lilo and Stitch... Spirit the Stallion of Cimarron, or Cimarron, sorry mm. if I've said that wrong. I haven't seen that one. And Treasure I Planet. Have. Oh, Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet? Wait. Yeah. There, there were, that's also Disney. So yeah. yep. Disney had three films that it put out to for Academy Award that year. That's mm. crazy. That's, oh, wow. I, I is, would I would say that Spirited Away deserves the win because what it does, not just for the art form of animation, but it's uh-huh. storytelling and like its lasting effect in in our pub in our pop culture subconscious. Mm-hmm. Like it's everywhere. It is, and it definitely, I would think this movie helped generate anime more popular into the Western civilization yeah i mean it was already popular before but i think this definitely helped it get even more popular well this is still at the b see this movie came out in 2003 two two okay yeah this is still at the at the head of the anime boom uh, right it won't it won't crash it doesn't crash to like 2008 well i i would say this definitely helped tipped it more so Mm mm-hmm and I like Lilo and Stitch. It's a very nice, touching, yeah. sweet film. But I don't think it's... And that's just personal opinion, because we all have those. I don't think it's one of Disney's finest, like, of their wins or, like, what they have done. But it's definitely one of the better ones from that time period mm-hmm. that they were producing. So I think Spirit Away is just a it's a step above and beyond the, these other four films. Right. Anyway, uh, next week we are going to be reviewing another Miyazaki, well, not Miyazaki, but another studio Ghibli film, a little film called the cat returns. That is bonkers. The yes. only sequel that studio Ghibli ever done. And it's not even a direct sequel. I was fixing to say, is that it's not really a sequel, is it? Other than the characters it's, briefly it's a, shown, it's a sequel in and of the fact that they took a character from another film and they repurposed them and kept it enough that it may or may not have the events of the other film may or may not have happened. <laughs> but otherwise, it has almost nothing to do with the other film. And really. completely two different energies of a movie, too. Yes. And if I and I really do prefer cat returns over uh whispers from the heart whispers of the the heart heart. yeah yeah wow Uh, 
So next week is going to be a good, fun episode. Join us for that. But before we get to that point, we do have two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks to review. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. first episode of tonight where pleasant fountains lie directed by garrick bernard and written by jason zurich in this episode mariner and boimler are stranded on an uninhabited planet with a sentient computer and on the cerritos lieutenant commander billups must prove his engineering abilities to an old adversary uh new cast for this our guest cast non main cast for this episode sorry i just my lips just my brain just went <laughs> anyway phil lamar as momo crew member and a computer we've got jessica mckenna as computer ensign barnes and the replicator a uh, june diane Raphael plays plays queen paolana paul Shear plays and i'm going to say his full name here and andar rithio billups and Kari Walgreen is the Royal Guard and crew member. And this episode does have a special guest star, but this one is a little different than most of Lower Dex's other guest stars, as he is not reprising any of the roles that he played before. But this actor has appeared in like eight other roles in Star Trek, pretty much being the actor with the most roles in Star Trek at this point. And that is Jeffrey Combs. Mm. He uh, is uh, the other characters besides, uh, and he plays Agimus in this, the evil computer. Mm-hmm. This is his, this is the eighth character he's played for the franchise. The others being Andorian Commander Thylek Shran in Enterprise, Wayun four, five, six, seven, and eight. All of these characters being Vorta clones who were Jim Hadar field supervisors for the Dominion, and in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine and. He also played Liquidator Brunt, FCA, also in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The title is a quote from William Shakespeare's erotic poem, Venus and Adonis. Oh, I did not even know he had one of those. But then I haven't really studied a lot of Shakespeare, to be honest. One of the evil computers that is seen at the Daystrom Institute at the end of the episode has the CBS logo on it. Mm. Uh, this episode introduces Andy, uh, Andy Billups' mother and explores more of Billups' backstory, including his birth name, Andorithio. 
It explains Ensign Barnes's characterization of Billups in Second Contact, uh, when she says, "Knowing how to talk to women is kind of that guy's final frontier." Boimler mentioned that Sand gave him a rash in Second Contact, but despite being stranded on a desert planet, this never comes up. This is the first episode of Star Trek Lower Decks to feature scenes on or near Earth. And Mariner says that they should just bury Agimus like Data's head was once, and Boimler reminds her that Data's head had been in a cave. This is a reference to the two-part Star Trek Next Generation episode Times Arrow and Times Arrow Part 2, where Data's severed head was found in a cave underneath San Francisco among the ruins of, 19, of the 19th century. It is a weird episode, too, if I remember correctly. Anyway, uh, that's the information I got for this first episode. Cody, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, God, Okay confession i should have read thriller i read i watched season three episodes instead of season two but i've seen this and this is great i love this show i think it's a great entryway into uh trek if you're a newbie and i think if you love trek this is a great show because not only is it parodying but it's like a great love letter and has all those mm -hmm. wonderful easter eggs you mentioned mm-hmm and especially them getting Jeffrey Combs to come and do another part and him playing different roles throughout all the different series. That's just wonderful. All right. Jacob. Yeah. Uh, so this is my first, first watching of this. I'd be like me watching this series, you know, as the episodes pro uh, progress, as the episodes we watch for the, for the, for the show I'm like, when I first heard the AI robot, I'm thinking like, is that Adam West? No. That was, <laughs> when I first heard it, it sounded like Adam West. I'm it like, could have been. It could have been him. Adam West had passed before this episode. Agreed. I agreed. I was like, be like, is that possible? Could they, he recorded something and now he's, it'd be like his voice is beyond the grave now. And I was like, no, that's just another actor. But he sounds so much like, you know the the late Adam West, but this was like a really good episode where it was um, Boimler and Mariner be like, like you you see where they're like they're they have this conflict between each other, and they've always had a conflict between each other, mm -hmm. and uh, where uh, Mariner is like, oh, you know, gets him reassigned because he can't handle this. Which I think, in truth, he could handle it, but it's right, just more. But she's still seeing him as season one Boimler. Yeah, not not mm -hmm. seeing the full potential of who he is as a character. And and I, I think honestly, I think it's just more. Mariner is afraid that he is going to surpass her and then leave, and so he she is desperately trying to keep him there because she wants him around mm -hmm. as as a friend. And honestly, someone to pick on the entire time because that's right. what Mariner does for him. But uh, I, I love the uh, I, I love the point where the uh, the AI you know uh, evil supercomputer uh, thinks it's got the one up on Boimler, and Boimler is playing him like just like a fiddle mm -hmm. the entire mm -hmm. time. And I, I'm thinking like, oh wow, be like this is really really good. 
But when they finally get to the the revelation, they're like, you're not even really hooked into the computer. You're like, you're hooked into this little... Into the light switch. You're hooked into a light switch. And it's like, what? No! <laughs> I'll blind you! <laughs> Dang it! That's so well done. It's just like... And it's like, go Boimler! Like, Boimler, I love Boimler as a character. And one of the things that got me... I was like, because you never hear, uh, at least I, in my recall, Mariner ever apologizing for anything. She is like constantly just, yeah, like just, just, and for for once, if I recall correctly, she actually apologized to Boimler because, like, every time be like, if he mentions the Titan or he mentions going on outings or something like that. (laughs) Because there again, that's hurt to her sensitivity that she's going to lose Boimler and her, her fear of like losing people in her life because they get moved off or reassigned. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, she doesn't want to lose him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that's, that's more of her, the, the psychological character of her. And I think I like that, even though I am not a fan of Mariner as a character because she screws up everything. It gets away with everything. <laughs> Well, part of that's because she's a. Well, are both her parents captains? I know yes. her mom's. Her, cap- yeah. her mother's a captain, but her dad's an admiral. admiral. Her dad's an admiral, yeah. Yes. So, and I do remember this, right? Because uh, engineer Billups, they go to his home. Say that again. You broke up. Isn't this the one where they go to engineer Billups' home planet? And his mom is the queen, and it, like yes, it's not the home their home planet. It is looks like maybe their it's a ship. Their the the queen's ship. Okay, uh, yeah. Her, her, her uh, you know her her main uh, what do you call that? Uh, her flagship, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's been messed up just enough that she has an excuse to get her son to come over to fix it. Mm-hmm. All right, but that's a ruse. Happen to yeah. happen to be in the area, which even Captain Freeman's like, yeah, uh-huh, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's why you. That's why you're here. Yeah, that was a good setup. I love that part. And it's like, oh, and then then the engineer comes in. And it's like, oh, hi, son. What? <laughs> <laughs> and and then you get this uh, had... weird backstory of him, and be like, he's a prince. But he's refu- he like he's be like I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have sex I'm not gonna become the king you can't make me mom. <laughs> I'm not good enough to be an engineer because I let my friend get blown up. Oh. Admittedly, when I watched, I thought there's no way you just killed Rutherford. No, no he's way. He's a major character, and he went and if the, if he really died here, he died the way Tasha Yar did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thankfully no that's not what happened yes but I such just a good ruse i though. just love the whole idea that this entire um uh society is based off rent renaissance fair that stuff. was hilarious yep. all the names of the science to make it sound magical yeah <laughs> no uh, you know oh my gosh yeah that was that was funny <laughs> But I will what bring is... up one other little thing in dealing with this episode with uh, Mariner and Boimler's mm. side of the story. This might be, especially in the rewatch, since I have seen, you know, up to the end of the last episode that came out. I find it interesting how they're already kind of playing into this idea that AI may not be a good thing, especially when you consider that that's what has to happen four years late after this episode. 
mm. on uh, when uh, you've not watched Picard. I know no, that. And you're not, not going, Picard. And you're not in a hurry to watch Picard. No. And if you hadn't, a part of the the part of the setup of that show is if you remember from 2000 the 2009 star trek movie mm -hmm. uh the romulans and spock got thrown back in time because of a ex the explosion of the romulan star mm -hmm. well they knew this was coming for a while and so picard uh had had got put in charge of the setup to help uh get all the romulans off of romulus before you know the star blew up but standard romulan what's the word i'm looking for um secretiveness what's the word what is the word when you're uh alan doesn't matter yeah um the romulans made it super hard for them to get anyone out of there because the romulans are so secretive about everything and at some point because of a secretive sect of the romulan population they blew up the uh shipyards at mars where all the ships get built mm -hmm. there in star trek and they used androids to do it mm. and after that point there is a ban on creating synthetic life forms mm. and i kind of am wondering if this is helping to lead into that kind of plot since the when all that happens is only four years after this episode uh, okay especially considering what will happen at the end of season three Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's so, just like, I'm not going to spoil, but I'm like, you, they right. can bring this up again in season three. Yes. So, and if you really stop and think about it, it came up in season one with Badgie. Mm -hmm. Oh, Badgie. Oh, Badgie. <laughs> so, this to and me. And don't forget Peanut Hamper. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, to, to this kind of is a reverse from our previous TAS uh, series of Tangle yeah, the Adventure. Rapunzel's Tangle Adventure. Rapunzel's Tangle Adventure. Because in that one, you knew what was going to happen, and I was making all the theories. Yeah. <laughs> now I know what's going to happen, and I'm waiting to see what you come up with. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I am enjoying, because there again, when we first started watching season one, all of those, uh, what, a year ago? two years ago two years ago there was a whole year where i was being slow at us at getting them recorded before we switched to recording them at the end of the actual podcast right 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 right. so be like watching that because be like going into this i'm like oh this is the same guys who did uh what what is rick that and morty yeah 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 mm -hmm. that show. there's that a lot show. of rick and morty writers on this show yeah there are and uh, i wasn't exactly sure and so watching the first season, I'm like, wow, this is really good. I mean, it's a little raunchy here and there, but right. like, it's still a good story. It's a good show. And definitely Drew over here being a truckie. Like, well, I'm he's giggling like, at every stupid <laughs> little the entire time. time. I'm like, what in the world are you giggling about? Weird references <laughs> that take too long to explain. Exactly. <laughs> Jacob, are you not a Trek fan? He's uh, only watched the movies. I, I oh, Okay. Yeah, I've I've like I grew up watching the original the original six, and the like basically all the movies. I've watched okay. a little bit a little a little TV show little TV shows here and there, and uh, yeah, it's it's when been he's an been interesting forced ride. to huh when he's been forced to watch those episodes. yes exactly it's against <laughs> my will it's against my will wrong show <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which ironically, you bring up the fact that 
the show is a little raunchy at times. This was not the raunchy episode, despite no, what we're talking about. <laughs> that oh, is our next episode, episode, which we might as well go into now. I excretus is the oh, name of this gosh. next episode. <laughs> Directed by Kim Art and written by Ann Kim. Uh, in this episode, the Cerritos has to go through a bunch of drills set up by a drill instructor to make sure that they are up on their game. Oh my gosh. In this episode, uh, Eugene Quarter, who plays Ensign Rutherford normally, mm-hmm. also voiced a winger Bingston Jr. Uh, Mark Evan Jackson plays a simulated Starfleet officer and simulated Vendome. Phil Lamar plays a commanding officer and a Borg and a docking bay officer. <laughs> Lauren Lapkus plays Jennifer Shreyan, which I can now start saying her full name since it's been, it was revealed in this episode. Jessica McKenna plays Barnes. Lennon Parham played Shari Yen Yim and a computer and, and a computer. Ben Roger played Stevens, Steve Stevens and Paul Shear played Andorithio Billups. And special guest star for this episode is Alice Kriege playing the simulated Borg Queen as she played the Borg Queen in Star Trek First Contact. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Getting into the trivia for this one. The name I Excretus echoes the Next Generation episode I Borg, as well as classic books such as I Claudius and I Robot. The name Mm -hmm. Excretus of Borg, like Locutus of Borg, the one that Picard was turned into, is derived from Latin, with Locutus meaning having spoken or he who has spoken, and Excretus on the same model means having separated or he who has separated. However, Excretus also carries overtones in the English language for excrete, meaning to poop, I'm going to say. (laughs) Shin Yin Yim is the second Pandronian to appear in Star Trek after Ari Ben Bim from the from Star Trek the Animated Series episode Bim. Her outfit is nearly identical to the one worn by Bim. Several background characters are given names for the first time in this episode, including Aryan, Castro, Dahi, Merp, Pandara, Ross, and Volus. The Andarian, who was initially known simply as Jennifer or Jen, was identified fully as Jennifer Schreyan. Several scenarios for the Lower Decks crew mirrored episodes from Star Trek, the original series, and Star Trek The Next Generation, including Mirror Mirror, the Hedge Bat in Ethics, the fake building facades in Inspector of the Gun, Spock's Sacrifice in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, Spock's Rescue in Star Trek III The Search for Spock, and of course... The, episode, the, next, the original series episode, The Naked Time, along with its ne- Next Generation sequel, The Naked Now. My gosh. It was not quite that sexy in the original shows. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I will say this. Their explanation of what that virus is is in this in this episode is just that it's, you know, it makes people sexy and want to have yeah. sex all the time. Right. In the original episodes, it's just that it made them act drunk. Oh, okay. But then but somehow this affects Data, the android, who 
has relations, we'll say, with Yar in that episode. Yep. Yeah, and this gets later referenced in Star Trek First Contact when the Borg Queen asks, how long has it been since you've experienced physical forms of pleasure? And he rattles off the date to the seconds. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, of course the droid would remember, right? <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. I'm sorry, that's just one of those weird trivias that you have to throw in there when it comes up. Speaking of the Borg Queen, a hologram of another of this character appears in this episode performed by the character's original actress Alice Kriege. Much of her appearance recreated for Boimler mirrored Data's experience with the Queen in Star Trek First Contact. The holographic Anderithio Billups in Mariner's Naked Time scenario, albeit nude and sitting on a table, is the only character not doing anything remotely sexual, merely reading from a pad. This is in line with the real Billups having to maintain his virginity in order to stay in Starfleet, which was explored in the previous episode. <laughs> this is contrasted by holographic Mirror Billups, who was portrayed as becoming a little bit turned on from torturing people. <laughs> also, the crystalline entity appears, revealing that the one we saw in Star Trek The Next Generation to be part of a species rather than just a unique entity. Last but not least, the holographic Mirror Boimler sounds the alarm that Mariner was an imposter by pointing at her and shrieking. This references how pod people publicly identified humans in the 1978 film version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which Leonard Nimoy had a starring role in, and it, which was an attempt to break him out of being typecasted as Spock. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So, do you have any thoughts on this one, Cody? Uh, all I remember, because I accidentally watched season three instead of season two, right. now I'm looking back and saw, oh, you did say season two, so apologies. <laughs> wonk, wonk. But I do remember, I do remember Boimler being like that guy trying to get the perfect 100% score in the video game, like going back. It's like, you already did it. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are oh you doing this? But it's got like, to be perfect. I <laughs> can do the, it. He's got, he's got the perfect score, and he gets the call. It's like, you've got to keep that going for as long as possible. And he ends up with a score of zero because he gets assimilated, and somehow the hologram is good enough. He still thinks he's assimilated. Oh, poor Bormler. <laughs> poor Bormler. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> oh, but it's a fun episode. They're all fun. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Jacob, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh on my this gosh! One? The the first thing I think is poor Boimler. The entire episode is like the the poor man is he is a perfectionist. He's trying to get this score, and I'm thinking it's like he's over and over and just dedicates how how uh, dedicated this man is to like Starfleet. He's got to be right. He's got to do the right thing, and uh, he gets that call. You got to be in the entire time. And like you said, he, he gets assimilated and they have to yank him out of the simulator. He thinks he's been assimilated. And like at one point he's be like, yeah, but they took everything from me. And I'm the, like, at the end of the episode, they're all kind of laughing about it. This man has gone through so much trauma and they're all laughing at him. About it. I'm like, oh, poor Bormler. <laughs> I feel so bad for him, man. <laughs> and, and, and then the the others the, the simulations were like oh my gosh this is hilarious and then the one where they're all like you know 
the 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 nudie the nudist one the nudist the nude the naked time the na the naked in time <laughs> I was like what the heck <laughs> admittedly the first time I watched this I went whoa that's a little farther than I was expecting them to go <laughs> oh my gosh definitely that that point where it's like it's uh when you get that one shot where it's 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 the episode where it's the uh the simulation where it's um it's Mariner right yeah it's Mariner, Mariner was in that one and it'd be like you see Boimler it's like oh then I'm like whoa okay <laughs> that was a bit much I will admit though the one that made me laugh was when they were on the bridge doing the group uh drill and uh Shax is running helm and he has to get up and stretch. And all of a sudden, Mariner just sees him from the naked time one and goes, oh, yeah. and just like, oh my word. That was good. That was like, oh my gosh. But like, no, I'm having like really, really bad flashbacks. All I know is whoever upgraded the holograph hologram system from Star Trek First Contact until now, since that was the last time we saw the holodeck, they put way too much work into it because this is too realistic now. <laughs> there's oh always that guy right it's there's always, always that, that one person. yes but it's someone it's way too much work into making this making this perfect oh yeah but it was such a good episode it was to me at some points i'm like whoa okay i'm a little crazier but overall very well done the the fact that uh uh the captain and mariner who her daughter and daughter and daughter and mother be like are thinking it's like oh yeah because be like this was all about you know like team like team building be like make the make the uh the um make the crew like you know you know integrate the team better and the whole mm -hmm. bit and then it's just turned into this 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 sleazy you know uh literally making it harder uh, so that they can't pass because she's used to doing all the the ship of the, the major ships yeah the ship and they line. always pass all the time so yeah give it to a small ship that no one cares about and show them all fail that yeah. sounds like a great mm -hmm. idea to keep me keep my job yeah it definitely yep. you go yep you go back to the first the first of the episode where the uh the lower decks crew is on the satellite and they get emerged and they warp out they leave them for six hours and like what what do they what do they get me like wouldn't you like compensate compensate them for something? Be like, oh yeah, here's some nice heating pads. You left me in the void of space for six hours. I could have died. <laughs> and then the, the the point that I was like, there was a part of me, it's like, this is the worst captain ever. <laughs> and then where it's like she's trying to make a point with the uh the instructor. Where she's like, "Oh yeah, we're we're gonna do the most dangerous thing ever because you're gonna change this score," and literally goes on all these insane missions that, "Oh yeah, we're gonna put you to the brink of death and make you change it." And I'm thinking, like, does this crew do this all the time? We don't see this because we are never. If this were a if this if a show was being made about the Cerritos, we would never be following their A story. No, we're always following no. the B story. No. Yeah, I agree with yep. that. I agree with that. Yeah, which, we're just following the B story. So it makes sense we're going on adventures like should this. Should be very obvious when we get to the first episode of season three. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not saying anything. That, that oh, I know. I know. First episode of season three is one of my favorites. Uh, okay, but it, we'll get uh, there when we get that's there. That's not for another two episodes, but uh, but such a good episode. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
uh, and I will say that the events of this episode actually do affect some stuff coming up. Oh, okay. Just, mm-hmm. just putting that out there. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, that is going to be the end of this episode. The next two Star Trek Lower Decks episodes we'll be reviewing next week will be Wedge Dudge and First First Contact. Nice. <laughs> Wedge Dudge is Klingon. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's right. And I'm not telling you what it means until we get to that episode. Okay. But anyway, join us next time for that. Cody, where can we find you on you the can, internet? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at FilmNerd85. You can find my video stream show, Video Store Rejects. It's on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. Awesome. So, yeah, that's going to be it for us. Uh course our out our self shameless self-promotion will be in the uh pre-recorded outro uh but in the meantime this has been drew this is jiggin and this is cody (laughs) thanks for having me and we'll catch you in the next frame you can follow jacob on his facebook at jacob b heron his facebook page jacob's daily art corner where he tries to draw each and every day his Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, his Twitter at Jacob Heron, and his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen, his Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography, his letterboxed page at G. George 759, his Twitter at G. George 759, and Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Stuff.